You're listening to Gleanings, the monthly newsletter from Strategies at Work, podcast edition, March 1st, 2009. Upcoming events. The Strategic Life Alignment Seminar will equip you with tools and a methodology for discerning your life purpose. Don't miss this opportunity to learn biblical principles that will help you discover your destiny. Peace, joy, and satisfaction will be yours only if you discover and fulfill your life purpose. The SLA Seminar will be held March 13, 2009 in Dallas, Texas, and March 20, 2009 in Lethbridge, Alberta, Canada. See the website strategieswork.com for details. Beginning in March, the Strategic Life Alignment Seminar will be presented as a webinar. The SLA Seminar will be presented in eight sessions, each one and a half hours in length. This learning venue will take place each Tuesday from March 24th to May 12th. The webinar is designed to help you discover and fulfill your divinely ordained life purpose. Take advantage of these training venues, accelerate your growth in Christ, and learn to glorify God in your workplace. Information about this webinar is available on the website strategieswork.com. The BTS Seminar Beyond Babel Overview One of the first business ventures on planet Earth was the Tower of Babel project. It had a modicum of success, but in the end it failed. Why? Was it failed leadership or a flawed plan or poor execution? The answer is no. The project was executed with great skill. So why did it fail? And what can we learn about building organizations from this project? Attend the next BTS seminar on Friday, April 24th, and learn critical lessons for organizational success from the Tower of Babel failure. See strategieswork.com for details. These are challenging economic times. There is much fear in the world. Now more than ever, people need to understand the power of building their lives on Christ. Only faith in Christ can provide sustained victory over fear. If you need help in learning how to walk with Christ, Strategies at Work has consultants in various parts of the world. These consultants are equipped to help you grow in Christ and to find and fulfill your divinely ordained life purpose. Please contact them or contact the Strategies at Work home office if you would like our help. See strategieswork.com for details. And now Dr. Chester brings us the message titled, It's Time for Merchant Bankers. It seems that the litany of sin and its negative impact on the economies of the world continues. One of the latest revelations involves the heretofore highly respected international wealth manager, UBS. Seemingly without warning, the media reported that UBS agreed to a $780 million fine to avoid prosecution by the U.S. government for colluding with customers to hide assets, thus enabling them to evade tax liability. UBS's proactive and intentional actions were inconsistent with their code of business conduct, which reads in part, UBS is committed to adhering to the standards and restrictions imposed by applicable laws, rules, and regulations. We respect and strive to comply with the laws, rules, and regulations of the countries where we operate and our own internal policies, guidelines, and procedures. We are committed to managing our relationships with UBS's regulators and standard setters in an open, transparent, and cooperative manner. Note that they commit to complying with the laws of the countries where they operate and being open and transparent with regulators. 
According to the news reports, UBS engaged in a clandestine scheme to help customers hide assets from the IRS. How could this be consistent with UBS's code of business conduct? UBS's actions are neither compliant with the U.S. laws, nor are they transparent. The situation is especially disturbing because UBS is a major international wealth manager. Bernie Madoff was an individual who used lies and deception to further his personal wealth. Madoff may have thought that he could hide his Ponzi scheme until he died. At that point, he didn't care if it was discovered. But surely, UBS realized that they could not continue this deception indefinitely. What were they thinking? The reality is that they were probably not thinking. They were chasing money. That is, they worshiped money with little thought about the consequences of their illicit activities and with certainly no adherence to their own code of business conduct. When a major international company with a seemingly good reputation demonstrates no regard for living up to their own code of business conduct, this taints investor confidence in every public company. Such action makes a mockery of codes of business conduct which are widely used by public companies to assure investors of their values and principles. Operating legally and transparently are two key biblical values that facilitate success. But if investors cannot trust that publicly held companies will operate with integrity relative to their own self-declared standards, what then should investors do? It's time for something new, real change, something that will facilitate better accountability to biblical principles of financial pro prosperity, if we really believe that adherence to biblical principles is critical to economic success, it's time to move away from investing in publicly held companies who can no longer be trusted to honor their word. So what is an investor to do? What investment should command his or her attention? To facilitate better alignment with biblical principles of business requires training in these principles and then oversight to ensure accountability to these principles. Most likely this will happen with privately held companies. About a hundred years ago, there were investors known as merchant bankers who focused on investing in privately held ventures. Merchant bankers were seasoned, successful businessmen who amassed capital and looked for good investment opportunities. They sought to invest in privately held companies run by young entrepreneurs who needed both capital and wisdom. Hence, when an entrepreneur received capital from a merchant banker, the entrepreneur also acquired a consultant who would help them make wise business decisions. To help you understand merchant bankers as a source of investment capital, I will contrast them to today's commercial banks. Unlike commercial banks of today, merchant bankers were not regulated by federal or state governments. Because the government provides insurance that protects depositors from bank failures, the regulators oversee and influence the lending practices of commercial banks. Therefore, to satisfy the regulators, commercial banks generally are very conservative about lending and generally require a current return on capital. Because merchant bankers were not regulated, they were much more flexible in their investment practices than commercial bankers of today. Merchant bankers could take equity positions, and they did not require a current return on their capital. Furthermore, when investments falter, commercial banks today tend to become adversarial with borrowers largely because of the compliance pressure from regulators. Therefore, commercial banks frequently respond to adversity with little consideration for the borrower and almost certainly no willingness to prudently consider injecting additional capital. 
merchant bankers tended to respond with more sensitivity and consideration to adverse circumstances. In some cases, they would even invest more with troubled entrepreneurs if they felt it was the best course of action. In other words, merchant bankers were not fair-weather friends as most commercial bankers are today. Merchant bankers were true partners who recognized the risk of their investments and didn't abandon their partners just because of tough circumstances. But perhaps the most important characteristic of merchant bankers was their ability to provide wisdom. Commercial banks generally do not employ loan officers with, with real business experience. Hence, their ability to impart wisdom to their borrowers is very limited. On the other hand, merchant bankers were seasoned, successful businessmen. Therefore, they possessed wisdom based on experience and knowledge to help the young entrepreneurs. The wisdom of merchant bankers served to disciple the entrepreneurs. Undoubtedly, the ability to establish discipleship relationships was a critical investment consideration for merchant bankers. Because of these personal discipleship relationships, merchant bankers knew their entrepreneurs well. This enabled the merchant bankers to facilitate the requisite character development and business skills needed for success. And the merchant banker was an accountability partner. In this way, merchant bankers enabled the entrepreneurs to maximize their opportunity for success and greatly increase their own potential for profitable investments. UBS deceived investors by claiming integrity to a code of business conduct that in reality they did not follow. Their sin will cost investors a $780 million fine, plus untold legal fees and management distraction. In addition, they will undoubtedly lose customer confidence, which will negatively impact future profit potential. UBS's actions are further testimony to the reality that sin has negative economic consequences. Long-term, sin does not work. It does not produce sound financial results. The only way to produce lasting financial success and prosperity is obedience to biblical values and principles. May I suggest that we need to stop investing in untrustworthy, publicly held companies and return to the merchant banker model. Since God blesses alignment with Him, we need to invest in people who are committed to live according to a biblical worldview and to fulfill their divinely ordained calling. This means that we need to invest in entrepreneurs who are disciples of Jesus Christ as evidenced by their commitment to fulfill the call of God on their lives in accordance with biblical wisdom and values. And we need discipling relationships with these entrepreneurs to train them and to hold them accountable to their commitments to live biblically.